You're gonna need a bigger boat. What a day! What a lovely day! I'm having an old friend for dinner. You are a toy! She wouldn't even have a fly. You can't handle the truth! I'll be back. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. And welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Blind Spots. I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And today we are, I guess, so, uh, good grief, I hope some of you, or most of you have recovered from your St. Patrick's Day uh, hangover by this time. But we're continuing the theme of Ireland this month with 2011's Kill the Irishman, starring Ray Stevenson, Val Kilmer, Vincent D'Onofrio and Christopher Walken. I mean, really, this is kind of an all-star cast when you get down to it, because there's a lot of even smaller characters that are played by pretty well-known actors like Paul Sorvino and Vinnie yep. Jones and, yep. and guys like that. This movie has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 62% and an audience score of 67%. And one other thing, I think the, the director, Jonathan... Hensley? Hensley? Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? That's what I say. I think it's kind of interesting because he directed The Punisher with Thomas Jane and then Ray Stevenson played Punisher in Punisher Warzone. Oh, really? So okay. Yeah, I, I meant to look up what else he had done. I, I love The Punisher with Tom Jane. I, I did, too. I was a great one. I, I liked it, so. And, you know, I, at first I hated Punisher Warzone with, uh, with Ray Stevenson. But um, once I actually kind of figured out what... I, I listened to an episode of How Did This Get Made with Patton Oswalt... And they actually had the director. I didn't know that movie was directed by a woman. I'm sorry, but I can't remember her name. Uh-huh. But it's like when I found out like what they were going for, they were going for with Punisher Warzone. They were just going for like all out insane, like 1980s action, gore and violence and stuff like that. So now that I understand what they were going for, it makes a lot more sense. Well, maybe I should give it a revisit. Cause I, need, I didn't care for it. The one I need time to give I it a revisit it. too. Yeah. Okay. I just remember some of the lines like, I'll see you in hell, man. Like when his little friend was dying, he's like, I'll see you in hell. And, and and Ray Stevenson says, if I see you anywhere near hell, I'm kicking your ass out of there. <laughs> so, great okay. writing in this movie. But speaking of writing, this film, Kill the Irishman, was written by Jonathan Hensley and Jeremy Walters and based on the book, Kill the Irishman, by Rick Perello. See, this is based on a true story. The, apparently, Danny Green was a real person. Okay. And because... Fun fact, um, up until recently, I had a supervisor at work who was named Danny Green. And whenever I first heard his name, I was like, Danny Green, are you kidding me, really? And before I, before he was my supervisor, I asked him one day, I was like, have you ever Googled your name? Because there used to be a pretty badass gangster up in Cleveland named Danny Green. And he's like, yeah, some some guys from who come down to, to do business with us from Cleveland, whenever they, whenever they met me, they, they started calling me the Godfather. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good story. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, that happened. God, that was like 2015, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, that was a long time ago. Any interesting facts about this film, Josh? Budget-wise? Budget-wise, I can tell you it was not successful at all. It had, I, it had a budget of $12 million and only made $1.2 million. Like I don't really remember this movie coming I didn't out. So. I didn't. I didn't remember. That. Like, this is another one of those movies that my best friend introduced me to. I'd never heard of before. I feel like the first time I ever saw this movie was like in a red box. I didn't get it, mm-hmm. obviously. 
But I remember seeing it in Redbox, so I thought it came direct to video. So I wonder how limited. It had to be a limited release. It must have been, because, yeah, I, don't, I never. Of course, I was living in Japan in 2011, so if it did come out over here, I didn't know it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but no, other than that, I couldn't find any casting who could have been who's or anything mm-hmm. about this. Okay. Well, I mean, ever since I first saw the first Godfather movie, I've had kind of a dread fascination with organized crime, uh, especially the Mafia. And so because of that, I always love a good mafia movie. And whenever I saw this film at the time, I was like, man, this is probably one of the best gangster flicks I've seen since Goodfellas. I don't know if you would agree with me on that. Um, Not going to go that far. (laughs) Also, I am not a big fan of The Godfather. Well, yeah, I mean, The Godfather is a very slow burn. See, like most gangster movies are just that. They are slow burns. There's not a lot of action in them. It's, it, they're all more character-driven. Even if you look at like fictitious gangsters like Scarface, Scarface was still a pretty slow movie. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Like The, the ending was the most probably the most action of the movie, if you ask me. Yeah, I get you. I mean, right. like, that's like the only, there's only two scenes in that movie anyone talks about, and that's the chainsaw in the shower and the end. Which you don't see. Yeah, yeah, you don't even see the chainsaw in the shower. Like, you see... It make you think you see it. Yeah. Like, people come out of that movie saying they saw it, but yeah. they didn't. But Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I actually got in trouble because I rented that movie when I was in high school. My dad found out, and he's like, how did you feel whenever they whenever they chained that guy up in the shower and chainsawed him in pieces? I'm like, you didn't really see much. <laughs> I'm like, Saving Private Ryan was more violent than that. That's what I'm saying. It, it's Pacino's reaction yeah. that makes you think you're seeing something because right. he's reacting, but yeah, I understand. Well, I mean, you see, like, blood spraying yeah. up against the curtain and stuff like that but you don't actually i mean (laughs) you don't actually see a guy's head like fall in half or anything right like we said this is based on a true story taking place in cleveland in 1975 cleveland (laughs) (laughs) every time i hear cleveland i think of howard the duck cleveland (laughs) yes that's a wonderful name for this planet And this movie kind of drops you right into what's going, like, we're not really telling you what's going on. Right, and I, and I know some movies like to do this, but no movie does this as well as Goodfellas. So when I see a mob movie that's doing this, mm-hmm. they're trying to imitate Goodfellas, at least to me, and, mm-hmm. and it's just, it doesn't work as well. It well, never will. I know you haven't seen it yet, but the, but the latest from, uh, from Guy Ritchie, uh, the, the gentleman, kind of does the same thing. Like, it sets up, up to this one point that leaves you going, whoa, what happened? And then it goes whoop, all the way back to the beginning of the story. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, and now that you've made that, 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 that parallel, yeah, I can totally see that that's, you know, that as long as I, as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Oh, I love that. I think that, that, that's so great. The opening to Goodfellas is probably one of the greatest openings to a film ever. I, I, I would agree with that, yes. Because, yeah, like, you just, you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> But, um, no, this, well, this one kind of starts similar to Goodfellas because Danny Green is driving in his car and listening to some great funk music from 1975, and then his, his, his radio starts to, like, fritz. It's like, there's, like, sparks coming out of it. And then all of a sudden he just, like, ducks and rolls out of the car. Yeah. Just I guess as technically it, it's about, what, 77 when it starts? Because it goes back to 75, doesn't it? Did it? Did it? Well, yeah, 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 I guess you, I think, you, you I think may have been so, right. Yeah. It might have been 1975 in the beginning. Right. Or so. in, in the actual beginning of the story. Right. But um, anyways, Danny rolls out of his car just as it explodes. Of course. Now, one of my problems with this movie, I mean, you can tell it was made on a low budget because the explosions look kind of cheesy. Like, you can tell that, like, 
the whole hood of the car just pops right off. But really, $12 million, I think the explosions should actually look better than that. They should. I'm not sure what they spent. I'm not sure what they spent most of the budget on if it was like, because, you know, Christopher Walken and and um, Val Kilmer. I I don't know what what kind of a budget they would or what kind of a paycheck they would command. But I mean, maybe maybe most of their maybe maybe most of their uh, budget went to actors. Who knows? I never know how that works into the budget. So, yeah, I'm I'm never sure either. Because sometimes you'll see a movie with some big names and they'll have a really low budget, and I'm like, where are they getting paid if that if that's part of the budget? Because I don't yeah. know. But okay, yeah. But anyways, his car explodes just as he rolls out of it, and I absolutely love his reaction. He's just standing there in the middle of the street yelling, and he's got this great line. He's like, is that all you got? It's going to take more than a few firecrackers to kill Daddy Green. Like the (laughs) balls on this guy. (laughs) And now, now we get a nice long flashback that is narrated by the character Joe Manditsky. Manditsky, yeah. Manditsky, who is played by Val Kilmer. They both, apparently both he and Danny Green grew up on the east side of Cleveland. Danny was an orphan. He was raised by his grandfather, basically, but his grandfather was never really there. Uh, He was a good athlete, but he had no interest in school. You know, we see him like at at like a school dance and but nope, he's not inside dancing. He and his friends are outside, I guess, tossing pennies or something. They're gambling. They're doing something. Um, Danny's washing cars while watching this mafia wedding right across the street. Because apparently I didn't even know Cleveland had a big mafia. I didn't either. Presence. Like when you think mafia, you think Chicago, you think New York, you think Los Angeles, you know, you don't think Cleveland. Um, and the, and the mob here, here pretty much controls everything. And John Scalish was the guy who controls the mob. Like he's not a huge character in this movie, but he does kind of have a pivotal role and something, well, not really a pivotal role, but something later on that happens is pretty big because of him. And Danny was always getting jumped by like Sicilian kids for some reason, other Italian kids. Like, and they, when they jumped and they, they jumped them pretty hard, like, like one of them, they stabbed a pencil through his hand. a pencil through his hand, and he's just kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, that, looked, that looked really painful. Yes. Um, we also learned that Val Kilmer, when they grew up, joined the police department at 18. Yep. Became a detective, and later, I think after like 12 years, became a detective in the organized crime division. So now it's kind of back to, you know, more, I guess, more present as, as far as present is. Present where we're actually present starting, where we're the, actually story, starting yeah. the story. Yes. Danny and a bunch of dock workers are waiting to see if they get called for work. And I mean, this is a union. They're a dock workers union. So I don't know how unions work, but like, do, I guess not everybody gets to work every day because there's a right. guy up the president of the, the Longshoremen's Union who uh, you ought to recognize this actor pretty good from uh, Shawshank Redemption. What was his name? Um, he was he was the warden from Shawshank. Yeah, that, that was Bob Gutton. Bob Gutton, thank yes, you, thank yes. you. I knew I, I knew yep. you had said his name earlier. Yep. Um, so yeah, he's the he's the he's the head of the Longshoremen's Union, and he's calling up these guys, telling them it's time to go to work. It's ninety one degrees outside, and these guys are unloading grain off of some big ship. They're like down in the grain hold and shoveling right. grain yeah. up this like conveyor and. Then it's getting hotter. It's getting hotter. And finally, one guy passes out. You recognize that guy? 
Yes, I did. Okay. Once, because I, I think you had said something about yeah. him before. But yeah, he was the he was in uh, Ozarks. Yeah, or sorry, Ozark, and he was also in um, uh, the very opening scene of the newsroom. I, I know saying, you I haven't seen. That, I've so, yeah. shown. I think I've shown you the the opening monologue, but he has a very small role in that scene. Okay. Um, but in this, his name is Arthur. Yes, or Arthur Art. or Art. And Art, Art yeah. passes out. It's hot. It's 110 degrees. Danny pulls the plug. And everyone is getting out, but the president of the union doesn't care. No. He's like, I don't give a shit how you do it. Unload this fucking, unload this yeah. this boat. And you know what? This kind of reminded me of uh, back when I worked at an amusement park one time. Oh? You know, I told you, I, I was the person who took your picture when you came in, so I was the point, person that annoyed the shit out of people when they came into the park. <laughs> well, there was this guy who got too hot, and I think I think he had asthma, so he had an inhaler and stuff. And he ended up passing out, like at work. And I remember I, I wasn't there to witness this, but people had told me later that one of the supervisors went over and literally was like, "Are you going to be able to get back to work? If not, I got to take you off the clock." I'm like, "Are you fucking serious? That's what you're worried about? This dude Holy passed out shit. in the damn heat, and that's what you're saying?" Of course, I've heard stories about that from people who work at Disney parks. Well, you know, apparently I mean, it's pretty terrible there too. Okay, well, was I didn't work at no Disney, but you know. I guess it could be that way everywhere. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's... And, and and you and I working in manufacturing, we can kind of understand how that feels. That we don't care how you do it, just do it. Get it done. Yeah, get it yep. done. Yep. But that night at the bar, one of the union guys is asking Danny if he's ever considered running for president. And he's like, there's no way I would win. There's no point in running for president. President of the Longshoremen's Unit, by the way. <laughs> That's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, President of the Union, yes. What's it called again? The Longshoremen's long Unit. Okay. Or Union, sorry. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, at the at the bar, one of the waitresses noticed Danny, and this is... Um, Linda Cardinelli. Linda Cardinelli. Yes, I did not even realize that... Of course, I only saw the live-action Scooby-Doo one time. I did not realize that this was Velma. Right. I don't think I've, I've seen I've seen her as Velma. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever sat and watched either one of those movies mm-hmm. the whole way through. I watched the first one. It was okay. But Wasn't... I do remember her from Grandma's Boy. So. Oh, I haven't seen Grandma's Boy. And But then we just mentioned her recently in the Forgetting Sarah Marshall review because what didn't she date Jason Segel? Yes. I think she was also on either Freaks and Geeks or Undeclared. One of those shows that they got their start on. Okay. She was one of them. And I think, I guess that's where they dated probably. Interesting. But, um, yeah, she starts off by giving Danny her number, but then the next escalates quickly, that escalates very quickly (laughs) because the next thing we see is Danny's car parked in an alley and it is, they are testing the suspension. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) But Danny's friend Art Art comes and knocks on the window saying he's in really big trouble and he needs help. He's been gambling. He has gambling debts with the mob. Now this is where we meet John Nardi played by Vincent D'Onofrio. I, I'm sorry, I can't say his name anymore without thinking, this D'Onofrio has had enough Rio. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke from an episode of BoJack Horseman, actually spoken by Vincent D'Onofrio as himself. <laughs> I love, I, see, this is what's so crazy, because like, Vincent D'Onofrio, he's a very versatile actor. Like, I didn't realize, you know, the first movie I ever saw him in was Men in Black, where he played Alien Edgar. You know? Right. And then he plays, he plays a gangster in this movie, but he's not like a big powerhouse like he was, but then, and then then like seeing him as the kingpin in Daredevil's like two totally different people. I didn't even recognize him when I first saw him. And then go back and look at Full Metal Jacket. Oh God. Oh God. Yes. That guy. He was terrifying in that movie. (laughs) 
He was the and unfortunately he was the best part of that movie in my opinion. Him him and Arlie Ermey. And they both left the film at a very early time. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I saw that I was so shocked when he left as early as he did cuz mm-hmm. I always thought he I was like that's all you ever hear about is him in this movie. Yeah. It's someone who hadn't seen the movie and mm-hmm. he's done gone halfway through. Yeah. So I, yeah. I was pretty shocked at that too. I don't think I'd ever seen that movie all the way through until just just a few years ago. I think oh, it was on Netflix and I watched it. You know me, I'm not the biggest Stanley Kubrick fan. Well, yeah. Um, I personally, if I gotta go watch a, a Vietnam movie, I'm gonna watch uh, Platoon. I think I've only seen that one once. Okay. And it's been a long time, but yeah. I think that I think that might have been the first movie I saw of, um, Willem Dafoe in. Huh. Might have been. Anyways, yeah, back that. to, we're, we're getting off track. But um, no, this is where we meet John Nardi, who's kind of a low-level gangster in the local crime family, Danny asks him to forgive Art's debt in return for something. Now, Danny makes Art promise to stop gambling and just, like, slaps him across the face because at first he's like, oh, sure, Danny, I'll never do it again. But he's like, slap him. Yeah. No, you tell me you're not going to gamble anymore. Now, Danny is helping the mob rob shipping containers. He is basically saying, yes, this shipping container has a lot of good shit in it. Cuts the lock off, lets them have at it. Right. And it's like, you know, according to John Nardi, it's like Sears and Roebuck in there. Now, the next day, or at least later, we don't know if exactly the next day, but yeah, next right. we see Danny getting off work and, and, uh, uh I'm, I couldn't, what, what was Linda Cardinelli's name? Um, Joan or no? Yeah, I think it was. Was it Joan? Joan. Oh. Yeah, it's okay, Joan. Yeah. It's Joan. Okay. Yes. Well, Joan is there to meet him, but the president, I didn't even get this guy's name, but the president of the union wants to talk to him. I didn't either. I kept writing union president. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I almost wanted to call because he, he was in a, he was also in um, Ace Ventura when nature calls actually. Um, that was one of the first movies I think I saw him in. Uh, 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 Gunton. Yes. Gunton. Thank you. Okay. I'll remember his name one of these days. Jeez. I don't remember. Who was he in that? He, he only had a small part. He okay. was, he was the guy who like owned the, the wildlife preserve or something. Okay. I have to go back and yeah. Anyways, I love this because he he's you know he sets Danny down you know he's on his desk and Danny and he's and he's like so what can I do for you and Danny just says resign, resign. <laughs> like quit. Now, of course he doesn't want to quit because he's the head of the Longshoremen's Union. That's got to be a cushy job, but he instead he instead decides to strong arm Danny. He wants Danny to give him half of whatever the mob is paying him for all those shipping containers they've been stealing from. Or he's going to get a visit from the cops. And he says this. He says, I'll come to your house. Drink your beer. I'll visit your girlfriend in the back bedroom. And you will take it because you have to. Like. And you can just see Danny's face. Oh, yeah. Ray Stevenson is such a badass in this movie. I love him. He is. I'll give you that. He (laughs) He just does not give a fuck. Midnight. He's supposed to come bring the money to meet... Yeah, he tells him meet him in the machine shop. Yeah, meet his, not even meet the, 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 the president. Meet his goon, yep. this guy named Joe. And he's, oh, that guy's name's Joe, too? Yeah, Joe okay. Buka, I think was his okay. name. Something like that. He, apparently, he's Polish because Danny is there at the machine shop midnight, throws him the, the envelope full of money, but the guy pulls a gun instead. And he's like... Danny's just like, are you kidding me? Really? A gun? And he starts telling... Polish jokes, which I didn't even know this was a thing until I saw this movie. Telling jokes about how stupid Polish people are. Apparently. Oh, really? I, yeah. grew, I grew up with my uncle telling a lot of the Pollock, the Pollock, or how okay, they say yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, I may have heard, I think I may have heard one or two in my, I was like, I'm, uh, no offense to anybody who might be listening to this if anyone is of Polish no, descent. No, I can tell you now, my uncle 
definitely would not fit in this PC world. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you but, that. But I got to admit, some of these jokes are pretty good. <laughs> what do you do if a Pollock throws a hand grenade at you? You pull the pin and throw it back. Yeah. And then, and then the other one, how did the Polish firing squad die? They stood in a circle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was almost like a dumb blonde joke. And that convinces him to put the gun down and, yeah, and, and, yeah, and he fight. He puts the gun down. He's like, okay, fine. I'll just beat you to sh- beat the shit out of you with my bare hands. But he doesn't. Danny beats Danny's the shit out of, of this fighter. guy. Yeah. He beats the shit out of him and takes his money. Takes back. his money and then <laughs> leaves. The next morning, the union president comes into his office and Danny is sitting behind his desk. And he calls for Joe, whatever the guy's name was. And he's just like, Joe's not here. And he throws the glasses on the ground. Yeah, throws the guy's glasses on the ground. So I'm like, what did you do to him? And the, and the, the union guy's still trying to be, trying to stand up to him. like, Danny Green's probably a good foot taller than him. Yeah. And he's like, I'll give you three seconds. And Danny just slaps That's him. <laughs> wow. And Danny's like, to do what? Yeah. Now, Danny, just get out. Now, Again, us being in manufacturing, this guy just bitch slapped his boss into resignation. How many people would love to be able to do that? <laughs> we are not, we are not uh, trying to incite violence against anybody, but come on, you can't tell me you've never thought about it. <laughs> I think everyone has. Yeah. Now this, now, so now Danny is the head of the union. He and Joan get married, and now he's the one giving orders at the docks. You know, clean this place up. This place is a goddamn wreck. And paint these goddamn stairs. I want them green. Yep. He wants everything green. And then he, he's calling out the people's names. Yeah, now he's calling. Yeah, yeah, he's calling out the workers' names. And I love this next scene. He gets a he gets a, a visit from a Scottish gentleman, Mister McLeish, and he's trying to. I guess I don't know if he's trying to extort him or what, but Danny wants. Four thousand dollars to unload these, and they normally pay two. Yeah, they normally so pay two thousand. And the guy calls him. A, he's like, he's like, you're like, is that, is that clear, you fucking potato eater? And 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 but at first, one of Danny's guys is about to make a move on him, and Danny's just like, okay, hold, hold up. And he says, potato eater. Seeing as how the potato was the only source of nutrition in Ireland for three hundred years, and half the population, including my ancestors, died in the Great Famine, I'd say that term is insensitive. And he gets out from behind the desk and, 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 and like is now looking this guy dead in the eye. Speaking of culinary taste, let's talk about haggis. Oh, did you know what haggis was before before you saw this movie? Yes. Okay, I did not. I had well, I had heard the term haggis. I think it was on an episode of The Simpsons. It was actually right. the, the Shining parody when 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 Willie's like, "This guy's gonna go crazy and chop his family up into haggis." We work with a guy who told me what hot haggis was, so that's the oh, okay, only reason okay. why I knew. Haggis, and this is Danny talking again, haggis is seasoned lard stuffed into a sheep's colon. So I may be a potato eater, but I don't eat fat out of a sheep's asshole. I don't care who you are. That is a sick (laughs) burn. That is just awesome. Yes. But now we see, you know, Danny is really moving up in the world. He is dining at this restaurant with the mob. He's meeting, you know, um, all the mobsters there. And Joe Manditsky, the cop, right. is there at the same restaurant. And, and you know, Danny wants to pick up Joe's tab just to be nice. And Joe's like, no, fuck no, you. I'm no. not going to do that. And, but he, he politely declines. He's like, just to avoid the, the appearance of any indiscretions or anything like that. It's some, something like that. He does it really well. Now we get another montage of Danny enjoying the good life, buying a house with Joan and that counting money. Shower, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of like, like the uh, 
the, the, the push it to the limit scene from Scarface where he's like, they're counting all the money and all while some guy's watching him from afar taking yep. pictures. This guy's a reporter. And he, he comes up to Joe Mandisky and tell him he's writing a story that Danny Green isn't going to like. Right, yeah. Right. Really. You know what's coming next. He, Danny Green's looking at a headline that says, Corruption on Cleveland Waterfront. Now, I've, I've always heard it said, like, you know, we live in a right-to-work state. There right. are no unions here. Right. But, like, when I used to live in Missouri, unions were still a big thing there for a while. And I, I, don't, know if they're, I, don't, I don't know if they've gone right-to-work, too. I remember when they were, like, proposing doing that, there were billboards everywhere saying, No, right-to-work is bad! And, like, I have never really heard anything about unions that make it seem like it really helps much except the people at the top of the union. And, like, I guess I've watched enough gangster movies to kind of believe that. <laughs> but, no, Danny's guys are packing up papers from his office, and Danny is just waiting for the cops to come and pick him up. Like, his friend Billy is there, his best friend Billy, and he's like, Danny, are you coming? And he's like, no, they want me. They don't want you. And he's like, well, it was fun while it lasted. That's what Billy says. Yep. Twelve counts of indictment, grand larceny, extortion, and labor racketeering. That's what they got Danny on. Okay. Now, Joan is visiting him in, I guess, lockup. He's yeah. not in prison. Saying they don't have any money left after paying the lawyer. Yeah, and he tells her to just sell the house. Yeah. <laughs> no, she does not like that, obviously. No. Now, Danny is cutting a plea deal with the feds. The feds want to know the ins and outs. They want him to be an informant. They want to know the ins and outs of the Cleveland mob. So now, basically, Danny is kind of untouchable because... Whatever he needs to do to get in good with the mob, the feds are going to basically let him off the hook for it. Right. Yep. Which sound this sounds crazy, but that's a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it beats being in prison. Yeah, definitely beats being in prison. So now Danny calls John Nardi, his friend in the mob, looking for work. Well, before that, he goes to the, you know, they move into that bad oh, neighborhood. Right. Yes, I forgot about that part. Because they got the biker gang that, like, comes and has their meetings right across yes, the street they, or whatever. Yes, he and Joan are moving into their new home, and it is a real shithole. Right across the street, like you said, from a biker gang hangout. So, yeah, John is looking for work, and he meets up with this guy named Shondor Burns, played by Christopher Walken. Thought he, he was gonna have a bigger role in this movie, honestly. Yeah, I think I think maybe in real life the real Shonda Burns might have played a bigger role, but um, yeah, he's not as big, and neither is Vinnie Jones either. Right, no, like no. Vinnie Jones. Yeah, you know, in the end of the movie, you almost forget that he's there until they show him again. Right. Um, but no, Shonda Burns is a loan shark, and he wants Danny to take over his debt collection business, which basically makes him a leg breaker, going around and beating, beating people shit up. Out of people, yeah, yes. beating the shit out of people. Getting money for Shonda. Yeah. yeah. Now we, he meets a gentleman who's driving a garbage truck named Mike Fratto, talking about you know he's he's like collecting payments from this guy, you know because because a debt a debt that went bad or something I don't know or a, a, a bet excuse me a bet that went bad and I don't know this guy's name but this is one of those guys you talk about you see in a lot I've, at least I've seen him he yeah he, he he was familiar and there's another one um another yeah one, later on he's later on with a. Uh... One of the guys at the table. Shit, I don't know his name. I don't know his name, but I know his face. I've seen him in plenty of stuff. Um, Now, this garbage truck driver says that there's a lot of good money in garbage. Now, you never think about that, but, like, I guess... I know when when I lived in Kansas City, you had to, like, subscribe to a garbage um, 
a dump uh, truck system, kind of like you had to pay someone to come to your house and take your garbage away, right. or you had to take it to the dump yourself. It's not like here where the city does it. So I guess, yeah, there could be good money in garbage. So that gives Danny an idea. But like we, we find out that Joan is actually going to church with Joe Manzinki and or um his wife and, yeah. and his wife yeah which makes things a little awkward like the wife of this gangster is going to church with this cop and his wife <laughs> but Danny and his friends are trying to grill outside and the you know he's like and and when she gets home he's like what the hell why are you going to church and why why are you going to church with them basically but now I love this part because all these bikers pull up. And they're playing loud music. It looks like they're getting ready to like have a group orgy or That's something what, yeah, like in exactly. broad daylight. That like... That's how bad this neighborhood is. But Danny comes over and just turns their music off and is like, get the fuck out of here. And the leader of this gang is like, if you come over here again, I'm going to knock all your teeth out. And then I'm going to go fuck that hot little wife of yours all night long while he watches. Now, this is the second time this film that someone has threatened to fuck his girl or his wife while he watches. And we we know what happened the last time. So you know something bad is going to happen this time. But first, Danny just walks away. But then we immediately see him and Billy and Art and I think one other guy all coming back across the street. Every last one of them packing something. Yep. But Danny at least does the he does the honorable thing i guess you could say he takes his gun away you know, takes his watch off they're like all these bikers are being herded out onto the street and it's just danny and this one biker gang yeah. leader all the other all of danny's guys are holding these these other bikers at gunpoint basically and what does danny do he 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 is the embodiment of the term fighting irish yeah. like he yeah. could be he could be the mascot for notre dame because he beats this guy to a bloody I pulp. mean, bloody pulp. Yes, like you see like, him like, bam, like, yeah, bam, and, like and blood, blood splattering on his, on his face. And then he and just... Joan looks terrified. Yes. Because she's watching this. She is and, and And also like, this little this little Irish lady who lives next yeah. door, then we meet her later. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Joan, yeah. of course, looks horrified. I, I think I probably would, too, if like, I were her. Who the fuck did I marry? I don't know this guy. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you you got you mean, you, you can kind of look at it. He's not just beating up any old buddy. He's beating up a shitty biker. True. So, I mean, if you're going to beat the shit out of somebody, right. might as well be a shitty biker. Um and I, and I love just how like how like the music kind of cuts out while he's beating the shit out of this guy because at first it's almost kind of comical the way it's happening because like you see one of the bikers whenever whenever one of uh, Danny's guys points a gun on him he kind of like swats it away like, like <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny but then it, yeah it gets really somber because you just see blood splattering up on Danny's face then he walks away and just lighting a cigarette still got blood all over his face kind of reminded me of Patrick Bateman there for a second <laughs> I didn't think about that that's yeah a, that's a good point uh, they could have been playing like hip that. to be square if it had been the right time period <laughs> <laughs> now now we get John John Nardi and Danny talking to the mob about getting into garbage starting a garbage union because um, this is also where we meet um Vinnie Jones's character, I forget his name. I do not I did not catch his name. Like I said, you know, he really doesn't have much of a point in this movie except for this part here because he's talking about how many different companies there are that carry garbage in Cleveland. So they're trying to unionize that. Yeah, he's also meeting like the I guess he's the main mob leader, Jack Jack Oh my god, oh. what is his name? Andolini? Probably. That's I don't, I I, that can't. sounds about right. I, yeah. Um No, Jack Licavoli. He's he's like the second he's like the second, second below right. um, the head mob guy because right. like there's the head mob guy and then there's John Nardi and Jack um, Licavoli. Licavoli, okay. 
So yeah, talking about getting people into the garbage union. And of course we get another montage. There's a lot of montages in this movie, which some gangster movies do that. And a lot of um, montages of people getting, people getting beat up. Yeah. Cause we got more people yes, getting beat up exactly. and trying to get, trying to get them to join a garbage truck union. Now he goes to Mike's house, this guy who from earlier, Mike Fratto to ask him to join the union. Mike has got like 10 kids in this tiny little house. I could not imagine that. Uh, no, that's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. But basically, you know, goes to ask him, to be in their union and Mike just tells him to fuck off. He's like, I built this this business from the ground up with my own hands, not to let somebody come in and take it from me. Because right. that's basically what a union would be. They'd be like the union saying, okay, we're going to profit off of all of your work. You're going to yep. give us 30% for not doing a damn thing. Right. So that doesn't go over well with the mob. The mob no. decides to make an example of him. So they are planning to remotely blow up Mike when Danny gets a call from his federal contact. Says that Art, from earlier, got picked up trying to steal a Mercedes to pay down a gambling debt. So now, you know, you got to warn... It's like, this is, this is the part of... You know, this, the thing that really sucks about being a gangster is you don't know who, who you can trust. Right. Is this person who's been your friend all these years going to rat you out to save his own ass? And that's what they're worried about. Yep, that's what they're worried about with Art. Because, as you, as you put it, he made a very serious promise to stop gambling. Mm-hmm. And he's back at it. He's back at it again. So, so they're like, okay, we're going to... Because at first they were like, we're going to do this midnight tomorrow. We're going to blow up Mike. And it's like, no, what? We're doing it tonight. It's yep. October. Th- it's Halloween night. They go to this house. And instead of... You know, because I think at first they were trying to gonna gonna try and like because they had a remote control airplane there. Right. It looked like they were gonna try and use the airplane to blow them up, which that would have been like something out of a Grand Theft Auto game. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, now it's like Art, he sends Art to plant the bomb on Mike's car, and he's holding the detonator, kind of going, "Do I really want to do this?" Right. And Vinnie Jones is like, "They're gonna he's gonna rat us out. He's gonna rat us out. He's gonna st- he's gonna turn on us." So yeah, he detonates the bomb with Art underneath the car so he takes out art he also is sending a message to mike that, yeah hey, you need to although he it. was supposed to kill mike well you know? yes next morning the bombing is in the papers you know talking about one kill How it went wrong yeah what went wrong obviously and now danny this was one thing i thought was really weird about him as a character i don't know if he really did this in real life or if he was just that popular in the neighborhood that he could do this for the most part without worrying about getting messed with he's working out by himself in this public park and there's nobody else around right and he's like doing push-ups and this car comes running into the park right where he is like not even roads back here it's just running into this park tries to run over him and it's mike and his friend right Mike is obviously not happy, you know, because this guy just, you, this guy who was your friend, you thought he was a friend, tried to blow up your, he tried to blow you up in front of your own house. Right. And he's got a gun. He's not the one driving. His friend is driving. He's got a gun. He takes a couple shots at Danny. Danny pulls off one Boom. shot from a tiny little snub nose 38. Bam. One hit. Mike's gone. So and now, at first I thought because you know you just see the gun fall, mm-hmm. and I thought, damn, did he just shoot the gun out of his hand. No, nope. no, no, no. When nope. he rides by, he, you see, yeah, he got he, him right when, in the head. When the car stops, yeah, you see, he's got one right in his head. Yes. Um. So now Joe, the cop, thinks that he's going to get Danny for murder, but they end up calling it self-defense, which it kind of was because this Mike guy was attacking him. Yeah, Mike was attacking him. He shot three times at him, I think, before. 
before Danny ever shot right. back at him. Now, and, and, and one of the, a lot, this is one cool thing, and I learned this because I started watching the little documentary that came on this Blu-ray, is a lot of the news footage you see on this movie is real news footage. I did read that part, yes. Yeah, yeah. that is, and I thought that was Because I, cool. I was wondering that as I was watching, because I was like, this looks like it's from the 70s, it, and they, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was real news footage. So... Joe swears that he is going to get Danny for something. He's like, you're going to fuck up and I'm going to be there when you do. And Danny says, when it comes to pushing, I'm the wrong guy you want pushing back. And, and it's like, he just threatened a cop basically. But from what we've seen so far, we know, he, we know it's not a threat. It's a promise. Yes. <laughs> and, and I love this line that, that Joe has. He says, badge or no badge. I will cut your fucking heart out with a rusty butter knife and eat it while it's still beating. <laughs> That is Damn, a great dude. line. <laughs> that is a great line. Now, when 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 Danny gets home, Joan is leaving and taking the kids with her. She's had it, and I can't say I blame her. No, nah, at this point, yeah. You know he's in some bad stuff. You got kids involved. You don't want him around that growing mm-hmm. up. So Yeah. So now it just cuts to four years later. And the old lady from next from earlier, the old lady from next door, is getting evicted. Like, and I mean, like she, she comes across as this nice old Irish lady, a nice old Irish Catholic, but she is cursing these guys who are taking her stuff up and down. Like, may you rot in the deepest pits of hell, you and all of your ancestors, blah, blah, blah. Like, wow, lady, come on. Um, I'm not sure that was in the Bible, but okay. <laughs> but, but Danny shows up and he, and it's like, how, how late is she on her rent? The guy's like three months or something. So he just. Pulls out cash and pays it. Pays it all. And at yeah. first, the old lady's like, oh, I don't want your money. I don't want your dirty money. He's like, he's like I'm not. I said, I don't want your charity. It's like, it's not charity. I'm just trying to do the right thing here. Now, now she invites him inside. And they're talking about their Irish heritage. You know, she's got this, it's like a, like a cross pendant that was her father's that she said something like the Irish, um, warriors would leave them like like tokens they would like leave them at home when they went off to fight or something like that. i forget there's there's some kind of a story behind it but she gives it to danny for him to wear and says stuff like you know she says we're drunks we're fighters we're liars but there's a good but there's a bit of good in every irishman because danny is like there's no good in me right now i'm just a terrible person now, Danny is starting to get good press. He's giving away turkeys for Christmas. He's setting up educational trusts. He's just trying to be a better person. Uh, I think he, at one point he's even like coaching Little League or, yeah, youth, yeah. or youth baseball. Um, and he's talking with Shonda, Shonda Burns here and, and hearing about the time Shonda Burns met Marilyn Monroe. Right. Um, and he's like, you know, it's Christopher Walken. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do a good Christopher Walken impression. He's, he's just... No, I can't. He's, he's got such no, a unique no, way of talking. No, no. Uh, there's, there's a lot of pauses and and things like that in his voice. The way he, <laughs> 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 sorry, Christopher Walken, I can't do a good voice for you. <laughs> but Danny decides he wants to open a restaurant. He wants it to be like a really nice Irish restaurant, and Shondor is gonna get him the money to open it from the Gambino crime family in New York. Now, like I said, I had a dread fascination with organized crime. I have read books about these guys. They, they, they were, they're famous for a reason. <laughs> now, next we see he is meeting Ellie, this cute girl who's closing up the produce shop. And he's it's like the myth. It's like late at night. She's closing the door and he decides to pull up and ask about the, the benefits of eating an all vegetable diet. Right. <laughs> and like, oh, of course, he ends up asking her out. Now he, he's talking to her Through like the I, fair. Yeah. Yeah. 
to the fair. And um, he, he's talking to her at, I guess, when she's at work one day and her boss comes out. I told you to sweep out the back room. But then he sees he's, who she's talking yeah. to. And he's like, oh, oh, never mind, Mr. You're, Green. You're fine. You're, you're fine. fine. She's fine. Yep. <laughs> so Danny's at least trying to go legit. I'll give him that. He's trying to go straight, trying to stop, you know, being a criminal. But the courier that was supposed to be bringing him his money decided he was going to buy Coke with it instead. And what happens? He sells to a mole or sells to a cop, gets busted. All of Danny's money goes into evidence. Right. And Shonda Byrne shows up to tell him this and tells him that the Gambinos are still going to want interest on the money that he never even got. Right. The money that never made it to him. Now, (laughs) Danny is pissed at Shondor for one, for hiring a shitty courier. And he's like, fuck the Gambinos if they think I'm going to pay interest on money I never got. Right. And fuck, fuck you, you if you think that's, that's what's going to happen. And Shondor does not like that. No. This puts an obvious strain on their relationship. He just gets in his car and drives away, stops at this one car, gives a big envelope to this guy and says, give this to the man who kills the Irishman. Yep. Like, did he already have that money there, or was did or this this might there might have been a a, a little short right, time change yeah. right in here or something? Like, did you you're just driving around with an envelope with twenty five grand in your car? But and, it, yeah, in reality, there could be a good chance of that. Very actually. very good chance of that. So now we see Danny going to meet John at this restaurant. He leaves his car with a valet, and John's like, "Hey man, you got twenty five G's on your head. You should be flattered." <laughs> <laughs> And it's like he like as a matter of principle, Danny just refuses to pay this money to the mob, which I can kind of understand. Yeah, and but John tells, "Do not go to war with Chandra. Yeah, you don't, don't want to do that. You don't want to do this." So now, Danny gets his car from the valet, drives off, and we're back at the beginning of the movie when his car explodes because John is standing next to the valet when they hear the explosion, and the valet driver just bolts. He just runs for all he's worth. Right. Um. Now we see Danny. John comes up and well, uh, yeah. picks up Danny. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, that's, he, he, Danny's just yelling like a, like a crazy person in the middle of the street. Yeah. So, like, come on, man, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the cops put a tail on him for 24 hours, and we see him entering Ellie's apartment with her. And she knows they're being followed by the cops. She invites him to stay. This scene was funny. I'm glad it didn't go further than it did. Uh-huh. Because she goes in, she puts on the sexy clothes, and that sexy music plays. And then luckily it cut to the next thing, because I was like, this is getting a little too cheesy for me right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. She decides that now is a good time to take their relationship to the next level. And and this every time I see this part, <laughs> or really any movie, that nudity in any movie that takes place in the 70s, all I can think of is an episode of Family Guy, where I, I forget what the what the uh, the context of it was, but I just remember Stewie, Stewie saying... I'm just saying 70s boobs were different. (laughs) (laughs) That's always what I think of at this part. Now, as he's leaving, his guys inform him that they know where Shondor Burns is, that he is a sitting duck. So Danny says to meet him in the alley behind the house and behind his house in five minutes. And Danny goes home, runs out the back door, leaving the cops sitting outside waiting Mm -hmm. for him. Gets in the car with them buddies. Yep. Shondor's car is parked outside of a church. And his guys are setting it to blow up. But then Church lets out. Like, they're looking at Chandra down the street. They, they, he's, he's standing outside a pawn shop talking to somebody. But then, and, and more importantly, there's just this one older lady. That's one old walk, lady walk, yeah, who decides to way. walk past or walk in the direction of Chandra's car. So Danny moves to intercept. Yeah, he's got to help her. He can't just let... He can't, like let, some said, old lady be, he he, can't let some old lady die because of his car bomb. Now... 
I love the timing of this because just as Shonda puts his key in the door, he looks over his shoulder and he and Danny make eye contact as Danny is walking this old lady across the street and then just boom. Because Shonda knows. He's yeah. like, fuck. He's like, that's done. it. It's over. <laughs> Kaboom. He's gone. Now, John Scalish is the head of the mob, the, the head of the mob in, in, in uh, Cleveland, and he died without naming a successor. That left Jack Licavoli. John and Nardi. John Nardi. Right. And Jack Licavoli is the one who's been kissing up to everyone in New York. And he obviously gets the the promotion to yeah, head of the mob. this is the guy we met earlier. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Now the Italian mob wants 30% of all of Danny's endeavors, like I said, just for doing nothing. And they're like, "How do you? Th- what do you think about that? And Danny, this, I, he, this guy's got some sick burns. <laughs> he says, how about this? A gang of hairy, greasy wops who came into existence when a Greek fucked a goat wants to steal money from a band of noble Irish stock. How's that? And now the Irishman, he says it. The Irishman's in business for himself, for himself now. Yep. He's not working for anybody. And I love this because as he's walking out, he's like, and also I know why you call each other these stupid nicknames. Because you're too fucking stupid to remember We're each other's real names. names. Yep. <laughs> now we see Billy... Again, Danny's best friend, who doesn't really have a huge part in this movie. He's just the best friend. Um, sitting at this bar, and some, some Italian mobster guy comes in to talk about Danny getting whacked. He's like, he's getting, he's getting hit tonight. And asks, basically asks him to be Judas, to play Judas and say, you can take over Danny's business after he's gone. And then Billy's like, sure, let's step out back and talk about this. Right. And you know what's going to happen next. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> they, he, he's got, he's got, for some reason in the back of Billy's truck, he's got this big like metal sink and just shoots this guy in the back of the head and then runs to call, call Danny. And just as and Danny is waking up and going to answer the phone, just as someone throws a bundle of dynamite through his window, blows the whole front of his house off. Right. <laughs> and miraculously he and Ellie are okay. Yep. Of course. Now we get another attempt on Danny's life while he's exercising. And this has got to be the worst hitman ever. Because, again, he's alone. Danny is alone no exercising around. by himself, like, out in this field. And this guy's got a rifle with a scope on it and still can't hit him. He can hit it. He shoots the shit out of Danny's little radio, <laughs> but can't hit Danny. Who's a much bigger target. Yeah, much bigger target. You know, of course, Danny pulls out his little snub nose 38 like he's actually going to hit something with it, but starts running at the guy and shooting him. And while he's still, like, way, way off, the guy runs and gets in his car and drives off. <laughs> Worst hitman ever. Now, this, this, this was awesome because, I mean, you don't see it, the full thing in the movie, but they actually do have a real news rec- newsreel of the real Danny Green very sim- saying stuff very similar to what... Right. To what uh, Danny Green is saying right now. He's like, I'm an Irish Catholic with the grace of God on my shoulders. When he wants me gone, I'm gone. Like, he's calling out the mob. He's like, this is my apartment. Get, it's like, I live here. Get a, yeah, good, like get a shot of that. Like he's talk, yeah, tell the news reporter, like, get a shot of that. That's my apartment. I live there. That is where I work. If these maggots from the so-called mafia want to come after me, I'm not a hard, hard man to find. find. Right, yep. Now, um, this is great because John... John Nardi is now yes. meeting Danny under an overpass. Says that he wants to team up. I mean, I, 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 I could see where he, he doesn't want to be Jack Licavoli's, you know, kiss-ass bootlicker yeah, no. for the rest of his life. He wants to help him take out Jack Licavoli. He shows he's serious by opening his trunk, and inside the trunk is the valet that put the bomb in Danny's car. 
And I don't understand why, but, you know, John puts his glasses on first and then stabs the guy to death. <laughs> like, could you not see him without your glasses? Now, every great mob movie has to have a montage of a bunch of gangsters getting killed. And I'd say this is a pretty good one. Because, you know, again, we've got some pretty cheesy looking car bombs. But we've also got stuff like, a, I, don't, I don't even know what it was, but it was something in a guy's mailbox. He opened his mailbox and it was like a shotgun blast. Just yeah. boom. Just dead immediately. So, we're about... What, an hour into this movie at this point? Yeah, probably. Because it says like 36 bombs go off during this. This is like the famous thing that yes. started the turf war. Yeah. Because I went back, and I'm glad I didn't look at this before, but I was looking at the synopsis, and it's like, one day 36 b- bombs go off starting a turf war What? But in the Cleveland mom. And I'm like, good God, that happened almost halfway through the, <laughs> over halfway through the movie. I'm glad I didn't read this because I've been like, where are these bombs going off? Yeah, at? yeah. It's, um, it's, it, it, it was, it was over one summer. It was one summer, right. 36 bombs went off and like in Cleveland. Oh now, yeah. Okay. Now well, the Danny Green case is, you know, obviously getting national attention. This That's thing a, is fun. That's the synopsis. It might've said one summer. It probably didn't say one day, but no, still. I am, IMDB synopsis are not always the best. Well, that's true. So now, after we get all these bombs and stuff going off, Danny gives Ellie a traditional Irish ring. I forget what she what he called it, but it's like it's supposed to be if you wear it one way, that means you're single. I was gonna you, say I have that. It's yeah. a, it's got a heart on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what did it have? It had something around. the It heart. had two hands. Okay, I think so. it had like two hands around the heart and then a crown. Yeah. And I think if you wore it, with if the, the heart is facing out, it means you're a free woman. If mm-hmm. you wear it with the heart. In, it means you're taken. Okay, yeah. And he says, don't make a decision yet. Don't put it on yet. You got. You need to make that decision first. Right. Because he, he says he, has a, he wants to leave Cleveland. Yeah, he has a plan to get out of Cleveland. Now, <laughs> I love this because Jack Licavoli is still pissed that they have not managed, they still haven't managed to kill Danny. Like, up to this point, there have been at least four attempts on his life, and they still haven't been able to kill him. So he has to go to Fat Tony, Fat Tony Salerno. This in is Brooklyn. Paul Sorvino, right? Yes, this is okay, Paul Sorvino. Okay. And this Fat Tony was also a character in The Irishman from Martin Scorsese. This was a real-life gangster. Just a different character, a different actor playing him. And right. yes, this was Paul Sorvino. The first movie I ever saw him in was The Rocketeer. He played a gangster. Pretty much every movie <laughs> I've ever seen him in, I think he plays a gangster. Yeah, Paul Sorvino, yeah. He's just a great gangster actor. Um, now Jack Licavoli is meeting with this fat Tony trying to get help, and Tony mentions Paul Castellano, another real-life gangster, who wants his $70,000 back. This is the guy who, who loaned him, who loaned Danny the money, or loaned, sent the money and never got there. He wants, right. he wants his money back. So fat Tony is, you know, again, not happy that they've, oh, they've tr- at this point they've tried to kill Danny Green eight times, but they still haven't gotten him. <laughs> so Tony is going to do Jack a personal favor to kill Danny. Now we get Danny and John Nardi meeting with Jack Licavoli and Fat Tony saying they want to start, they want to move to Texas to start a cattle ranch. And they're actually trying to get the mob to cut in, to cut the, cut the mob in on this, to get them to finance it. They need $2 million and they're going to, they're going to go to the mob and try to borrow this money from the mob. And, and you know, (laughs) Fat Tony's reaction is very similar. It's like, what the fuck? How are you? You really going to come to me and ask for this? But Danny's like, I've got a plan. You know, we're going to be raising cattle. It'll be union meat. We'll be selling it through union, um, you know, markets. Yep. First year alone, profits could be $3 million. 
That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, especially in the 70s. Yes, in the 70s, that was a ton of money. Holy jeez. So, and this, and this, there's some some young punk who's there, his name is Julius, is just shooting his mouth off. He's like, oh, let me take this guy out back. I'll take care of him. And Fat Tony's just like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> so as Danny is leaving, he tells a joke. He tells a joke to this guy. I think his name was Frank, some another little mobster guy. He says, why do you guys, he's like, why do you call Italian guys wop? Wops. When you throw a piece of shit against the wall, it goes wop. <laughs> so now the mob is like, we're going to take care of him. We're going to call in a professional from, from Los Angeles. His name is Ray Ferrito. Yes. And going to take him, you know, going to go get him from Los Angeles. And that Julius kid is there. You know, I, he really has no point in this movie because he gets, you know, they pick up Ray Ferrito and he's like, okay, what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to walk up to this Danny Green in your nice fancy suit and just say, hi, I'm here to whack you. And, you know, Ray's in the back seat and he says, yeah, like this. Hi, I'm here to whack you. Boom. Brains all over, you know, Julius's brains all over the inside of the car. I'm like, wow, they really kill that guy just for, just for talking shit like that. That's pretty crazy. Now, May 17th, 1977. Okay. John is talking to Danny about moving up. You know, like, yeah, we are moving up. We are going to be rolling in money. We're going to own this place, blah, blah, blah. He gets in his car. You know what's happening. His car blows up. Now, this was one point where I noticed one thing. There, I think they, they, you know, maybe they didn't have a lot of money to spend on cars, so they couldn't really blow them up. Because in this point, you see one car in the parking lot that I've already seen in one other place. Oh, I didn't even pay attention Well, that. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's actually a car like my mom's first car. It was called a Ford Maverick. And I'm like, that's the second time I've seen that Maverick in this movie. Oh, okay. So they must not have had a lot of money to spend on cars. I felt bad for John in this thing because I'm like, oh, it didn't even take him out. Like, he's still Yeah, he's still, there, yeah, like, he's still landing. Suffering. Now, I, I don't know how it happened, like, because... He was, I, you don't see him get in the car, right? But whenever, whenever Danny runs over to check on him, he's got the hood of the car is I laying thought, on top of him. Yeah, it was the hood yeah, of the car. Yeah. Like, how the hell did that happen? Yeah, I guess he like blew it, too. blew the lid, blew the hood up, and then he flew out, and the hood landed on him or something. That's yeah, but he's like, oh, it's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And of course, he dies slowly. Now, Danny is still working out in public places. He's still working out in a park, and for the first time, there's other people there because Ray Ferrito is watching him. Yep. Now, this actor, I can never remember this guy's name, but I've seen him in other stuff. He was, was, say, was, he was the bad guy remember. in a James Bond movie. Oh, well, I think he was I the know. strip club owner in Striptease. I that. think that was him. Uh, there, there's a couple guys who kind of look similar, and he's, he's one of them. Okay. He looks, there's someone he, he looks like... Um, yeah, I like. I, I'm trying to remember him, and I can't do get him in my head right now. Mm. But yeah, this is kind of like a pointless scene where he kind of confronts Ray. And he's like, "What are you? What's your problem? You got a problem?" He's like, "No, I don't have a problem." It sounds like you've got a problem, and he just oh, drives. Yeah, off. I forgot it was him. His name's Robert Davy. Okay, but I remember him mostly from uh, Die Hard. That is where I remember him the most. Oh, he was in Die Hard. They're the two when the two feds come, Johnson mm. and Johnson. He, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and he he's known as Big Johnson in the movie. <laughs> so Big Johnson, yes. wonderful. That is where I remember him the most from. So now, now for all this this build up for this movie, this whole end sequence, this whole third act goes by pretty quick because John Nardi has already been killed. Now, Billy gets a visit from some local mobster saying Jack Licavoli wants to talk things out. He's going to call on a payphone. And Billy 
goes with this guy. So they park, and also we see Keith, um, and then and that was a uh, that was uh, Vinnie Jones's character. Okay, yeah. I never Again, like yeah, name. like didn't even really remember his name at this point. Um, getting blown away in his front yard. Now Billy and this mobster head down to the docks for the supposed phone call, but when they stop the car, you know the gangster gets out to go answer the phone, but then walks right past the phone. Yep. Now the shipping container that they're next to blows up, oh. and like. Instead of like blowing the car off into the water, just the whole dock kind of collapses with the car in the water. Like, right. So the special effects budget was not the highest. I, I don't know where they spent their $12 million, but it wasn't on all the special effects. Now, Joe, Joe the cop, Mandinsky, yes. comes to visit Danny. And is basically warning him about Ray Ferrito. Yep. Says, hey, Says he's a, he is a heavy York. hitter. Yeah. He is, he is serious. And Danny's and Danny just says they haven't built a bomb big enough to kill Danny Green. I'm like they're they're working I mean, so on f- it so far. Yeah, they, not yet. Proven right? Yes. Now we see Ellie walking into her apartment, and and then Ray is outside working on on I guess it's the telephone phone. line. Yeah. And now Danny, <laughs> this this whole ending is a little disjointed. I mean it 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 it's trying to build up just the sadness of everybody dying. I guess. Right. Because Danny gets a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he gets a a letter from Billy saying, you know, this is something I couldn't, I, I would, I would have been too embarrassed to say this out loud, so I'm sending it to you in a in a letter. And it's a it's a poem that he called the Ballad of Danny Green. Says they've shot and they've bombed, tried all that they knew to bring Danny Green's time to an end. But warriors don't fall. This legend still stands. My captain, my brother, my friend. Pretty pretty decent poem. Yeah. I like it. So now Danny is in his little office trailer. It's night. He's drinking. He's it's nighttime. He gets a call from Ellie, and she's telling him. You know, you're, you've got a dentist appointment tomorrow at thus and such a time. Tells him the time, tells him the location, and Ray Ferrito is listening in on it. So now listening he kn- in, and it also shows that she has the heart facing in right. on her she, finger. She, she put the ring on. She made a decision. You know, she tells Danny that she loves him, and Danny just Cries. collapses. Yeah. He just breaks down in tears. Yep. I guess it's the next day. Well, we I know it, it says here it's October of 1977. I don't know if it's the next day. Well, it says October 6th. Okay, well, it might not have been the next day. Okay. But Danny's going to his dentist appointment. Now, this was the third time in this movie I've seen this, this black Ford Maverick in the parking lot. So they had to they just had to keep reusing cars in different scenes, I guess. This is, these are things that I notice when I'm watching movies. Like stuff nobody else pays attention to. <laughs> Now, while Danny's inside for his, for his dentist visit, he sees a car parked next to his. Because he kind of parked out in, out nowhere where nobody else was around him. And when he returns to the car, a bunch of kids on bikes come up to him and ask him if he's the Irishman. Are you the Irishman? One of the kids says, my cousin Timmy says you've got more, you've got more balls than anybody. He wants to be just like you. And Danny's like, no, kid, you don't, he doesn't want to be like me. But he gives that kid the he necklace. Gives, that he the, gives the necklace the to the kid. Like, he knows what's coming. He knows it's almost over. Now, after the kid leaves, Danny sees Ray driving by in his van. And I love this, because he knows what's happening. Yeah, he looks at the car next to his, and then looks back, and Ray... I don't know how you describe it, but... Well, well, Ray is, like, tipping his hat and he's in one hand, and he's got the detonator in the other hand. Yeah. And Danny just, like, points his finger at him like it's a gun, just like, fuck you. <laughs> and, the, and his car blows up. So, 
that's the end of Danny Green. But it, what's so what, what's so crazy about this movie is even after he was dead, all the things that transpired afterwards still brought the Cleveland mob basically to its knees. Because it says that Ray, Ray Ferrito, eventually got too big for his britches and the Cleveland mob took out a contract on him. So, so what did he do? He cut a deal with the feds. He got Jack Licavoli indicted and a bunch of other gangsters I'll across say it's a 27 the nation. Twenty-seven mob associates. Twenty-seven mobsters were because of Green's because death. of Danny Green's murder. Yeah. led to the indictment of twenty-seven mobsters, and the Cleveland mob has never recovered. So we end. I love this because we end with a real news clip of the real Danny Green. Like we said earlier, saying something very close to what the what the movie version said. And he says, "Hey, the guy upstairs pulls the, the guys. The guy upstairs pulls the string. You're gone. There's no other way." Now, I know you said you didn't really care for this movie. You said it was okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Now, do you, like, apart from, like, Scarface and Goodfellas, do you really have a penchant for for gangster movies? No, I can't say I do. You're more of a horror movie guy. I oh, well, of course that. But... Of course that, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know why it started really... But like, I guess, I don't know, like the, it's kind of like the reason why the Joker is my favorite villain. It's like, you know, if you're in the mafia, you just kind of do whatever the hell you want until you get caught. That is, that's the, that's the things like all these, all these mobster movies, they never have happy endings, at least not the ones based on real life. True. Like the Fair ending true. of the Irishman, Martin Scorsese's the Irishman. That was one of the saddest endings yes. I think I've ever seen, especially in a gangster movie. So let's get some recommendation out there. What are some other good mobster movies? Yes, then? Some, I mean, we, of course, we all know about The Godfather. I, I, you know, people ask me like, do you like The Godfather or do you like Goodfellas? And I'm like, I like both because they are two sides of the same coin. They're like looking at the same thing from two different perspectives. Like, you know, The Godfather is all about the family, right. while Goodfellas is more about being one of the underlings, being one of the the soldiers, I guess you could say. Um. And, like, those are really the only mafia movies people really talk about. It's like, those are just, like, the golden standard of them. Now, I know The Sopranos was a great TV show, and I've been meaning to go and actually watch that. Yeah, I was to say, I've never watched The Sopranos. Um, so. I, I went and watched the first episode, and because um, I've got Amazon Prime, it's there on, it's on there as part of Amazon Prime. And um, been meaning to watch that one, you know, I, but... Um, yeah, if, you, if any of you listening have any good recommendations for a good gangster flick that we haven't mentioned here or that you think you think is underappreciated or unknown, please let us know in the comments. We would love to hear from you. We we appreciate every single listener of this show, and um, we are going to do our best to continue turning out good content. You can find us on any of the in, any of the uh, the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have an actual Facebook group now. And if you want to see some reviews of some more recent films, I've started putting reviews on my YouTube channel, which you can find the link in the description below, or you can actually just look for Adamant VO, all one word. And also, we have a first for us here on Cinematic Blind Spots. We're going to be doing an interview with Jeff Hunt of the podcast. Jeff needs help. We're going to be, he's going to be interviewing us coming up soon. That'll be in a future episode. We will be sure to share that on social whenever it happens. Um, pretty interesting. That's our first ever interview. No one's, someone actually thinks we're interesting enough to be interviewed. Yeah. So we always do a long form review here on the show. We'll be talking about all different kinds of movies on right. that Right. So. It's a whole bunch of different things. We're not just talking about one specific movie, although we will be discussing Joker a little bit more. I warned him. 
So until next time, I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And always remember, whether you're in your car or in your theater, be sure to check your blind spots. You guys take care. We'll see you next time.